And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello there, Matthew. Hello, good evening, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And uh, this month, which is the middle of the summer already, oh my goodness, um, we've been talking all about wonderful shrubs for your gardens and landscape, and tonight's no different. There are several wonderful tried and true, as well as new shrubs out on the market, we feel deserve a bit more attention. So tonight, we'd like to share with you some of the hidden gems you can find at your local independent garden center. So if you have a favorite shrub in your garden, everyone should know about. Do you have, let me try that again, eh? <laughs> have, a, have a favorite shrub in your garden, everyone should know about? Share it with us at down the garden path podcast at hotmail.com. Right? That's <laughs> <Take two>. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody, I think a lot of people have something that, you know, it's just a star and, and, you know, they don't see it often or they're really ha- There was a surprise purchase and they're really happy with it. Right? Yeah. So let us know what they are. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear from maybe some of our listeners far far in the south maybe a shrub or two that we don't know or we are very isn't hardy here and we don't very see or hear of very often mm-hmm. that would be fun that would be fun as also would be someone north a little farther north that um they have definitely more growing challenges right because less plants so it's nice to know what um what works well for them and what they uh what they really like about their garden um, in, you know, in a higher zone, right? That would be zone like three or three. Yeah. 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 Winnipeg's up at three. Yeah. yeah. So Manitoba, St. John's, California, Florida, we're calling out to you, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) What are your favorite shrubs? (laughs) That's right. What are your favorite shrubs in your garden? In your garden. Yes. That's right. That's right. And pictures are welcome always. Always, that's right. We can take your pictures. We love to see what you are Mm -hmm. growing. Whether it's just a shrub or you'd love to share your entire garden or how you solve the design dilemma or Mm -hmm. just to brag and say, hey, check this out. We would love to see it. Yes, we would. (laughs) (laughs) So tonight we're doing Hidden Gems Shrubs Edition. Uh, Earlier last month, we did our Hidden Gems Perennial Edition, which is out now on all major podcast providers so check it out there if you're looking for some hidden perennial gems Mm -hmm. so our shrubs are also going to be perennial but these are going to be woody perennials so these are going to 
um, lose their leaves or not during the winter or the dormant months, depending on where you are, but they're going to leave some sort of silhouette behind, whether it's an evergreen and you've got some uh, greens or purples or yellows uh, still in your garden, or if it's going to be deciduous, where it's going to lose all of its leaves. And it's going to rely on some interesting stems, uh, like a dogwood or a nine bark uh, out there in your garden to add some winter interest as well. So perennials are going to die to the ground. Uh, shrubs are perennials, but they're going to stay above the ground for us. So we're going to talk about our hidden gems. So Joanne, I think Joanne went over it with uh, uh, just the beginning. Correct me if I'm wrong or add to it. Um, but yeah, so our hidden gems are just some cool, unusual, again, tried and true perennials, uh, perennial shrubs, shrubs, let's say shrubs, whether they're evergreen or deciduous, uh, that really work for us. They have multiple seasons of interest. They add uh, layers of texture or depth, uh, or mm -hmm. they, you know, they're a workhorse. You've got a salty or a wet spot. Uh, and these guys are going to give you that e interest, but also really uh, tough out those conditions. Where mm -hmm. others, some of your other favorites might need a little help. Right. So yeah, did I miss anything there? No, no, I think I think that's right. Like there, I think they are a little also would um, benefit from being called like rarely used or not used as often. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why we kind of call them hidden gems. So they're they're ones that you know when people come to your gar my garden, I know, and they're like, oh, I've never seen that before. You know yeah. that type of thing, and um, or I didn't know about that. And me myself, I've only used um, yeah, the what the couple that I couple of the ones that I'm want to chat about. Um, I have only started using a, a couple years ago. So, um, so yeah, um, I know, I know. So I'm looking forward to that. So we do have a couple of listener questions. We want to dive into those before Ooh. we start talking about Everybody. our. Everybody's here already. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see what's. Yeah. So Joyce on. has written in uh, hi to Joanne and Matt. If we need to prune or cut back our shrubs, when's the best time of year? Thanks. Uh, P.S. My shrubs are junipers. So I'm going to take it that uh, Joyce's hardworking uh, shrub is, is a juniper. Is that what you're saying, Joyce? You could write in again and say yes or no. Um, but the answer to your question, it depends on the shrub. Uh, so each shrub will like to be pruned at different times of year, prune or cut back. Uh, some usually just for cutting back, just, you know, giving it a nice heading back or a, a light shear. Uh, for example, one of mine is going to want to be sheared back just in the spring, uh, but only after some growth shows up. We're going to give her a nice light cut, uh, and that'll rejuvenate her for the spring. So nothing heavy, nothing going in and re replacing all the wood. Generally, the rule is, uh, you know, if it blooms in the spring, or whenever it blooms, you're going to do it right after. So if it's in the spring, right after the the flowers go. If it's in the fall, usually either that late winter or very early spring or even late fall, uh, depending on again who it is. So depending on who it is, uh, definitely take a look. If your shrubs are junipers, we want to see that nice new growth flush out, usually at least for us up here in Ontario, uh, and depending on the spring, early to mid-May uh, through into about mid-June, we'll see some new growth uh, and we can prune it accordingly. But whenever you're pruning, remember you're always going to be able to remove dead growth. If it's dead, 
just cut it back to the nearest node or healthy growth and you can just remove it. Joyce, for your junipers and other evergreens, remember when you prune them, they're not gonna break or start to create immediately uh, new leaves like perennials and some deciduous shrubs will. So you wanna prune. If you imagine you have put your fingers out like a pair of scissors or a, a, a sideways facing peace sign, you want to prune while you're stabbing those scissors or that peace sign down. Uh, and it just creates that angle that it's facing the ground instead of up. Because evergreens, again, they're not gonna quickly fill that. And then you have these weird little cut marks. Uh, so just doing that allows you to hide them a little bit. So I think I, that was my little pruning. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. So uh, yeah, so yeah. So thank you very much for the question, Joyce. Yeah, and Bob has sent us this beautiful photo of his stairway to heaven tall bearded iris from Burlington, Ontario. Isn't that beautiful? Bob, that is stunning. Wow. Stunning. If you guys, you need to Google my stairway to heaven or stairway to heaven, tall bearded irises, the yeah. blues and the white and just those little peach uh, throats there in, in the right at the back of the falls. Uh, that's gorgeous. Oh, that's, that's great. Gorgeous. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing, Bob. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. So Matt, would tell us what is your first hidden gem? <gasps> My first hidden gem is a, we've seen them before they're out there, but it's a, uh, a group or a group of cultivars within this group. Uh, and it is the Aronias. So it's Aronia melanocarpa and specifically the scape series of okay. uh, aronia. So the aronias are larger shrubs uh, that bloom in either mid to late spring, sometimes early, early summer, depending on uh, the cultivar, but they have nice, dark, glossy green leaves, full sun to part sun, nice wide range of hardiness, anywhere from three to nine. Um, but what I love about the low, the scape series is we've got things like low scape, uh, series. So we've got low scape hedger, uh, for example, which is a nice three to five uh, size shrub, only two to three feet wide. Uh, and again, that nice rich dark green foliage. She's going to come out with beautiful white um, little five star uh, petals or five petaled flowers uh, in about mid spring, which are going to eventually turn into uh, blue, dark blue purple berries. They're completely edible. Okay, a little so dry when you eat so them. So the common name is like choke cherry. Choke, choke thank cherry? you. Sorry, I didn't say that, did I? It's yeah. okay. So choke, choke no, no, choke not choke cherry. cherry, choke berry, right? Berry. There's a difference. Yeah. So choke berry. Choke okay. berries are the erroneous. But then what I love about this is, you again, you can use it as a, uh, a shrub uh, or a nice just shrub in the midground. You can prune it, but it also has beautiful crazy red foliage uh, right yeah so you get a nice beautiful covering itself in uh, white flowers in mid-may with a tinge of pink moving to edible berries great for uh, us eating usually using jams and other uh, preserves and then it's got great fire red uh, beautiful reds bright reds in the fall so I it's also also a native uh, North American shrub as well so you get the flower you get the wildlife interest and then you get the fall color and I love these ones uh, 
A, because you can get the, the low scape, for example, which is only about three to five feet. Mm. Um, and then there's, um, oh, what was the other one in the series? Um, the uh, low scape mound, sorry, that's the one, which is even smaller at about 12 inches by two feet. So it's a nice bordering shrub uh, as well with all of those same features, but they're super heat tolerant, they're drought tolerant, they're salt tolerant. Uh, great as an erosion control. They can tolerate some moist areas. Uh, they're a little bit of a deer and rabbit resistance to them. Uh, so they've got a little bit of everything kind of kind of going for them. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I look at the picture of the green one, um, I'm looking at the low scape mound one. It mm. almost looks boxwood like. Like the yeah. leaves are a little bit bigger, but it does. But it is deciduous, right? It loses its leaves. They are. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. And hardiness? Hardy from zone three till nine. So all the way up into Winnipeg, all the way down uh, to, you know, north of Florida, places in California, yeah. a couple of Texas, mid-Texas. So a good wide range of hardiness. Interesting. Interesting. I love that it has, you may love it when one shrub does two things, you know. I thought you might like that. <laughs> I know, it's my thing. Um, but it's almost like it does two, three things because it stays small and, and it's flowers and it has fall color. So yeah. Yeah. And easy, like some of the other varieties, are they easy to prune? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Easy to shape and prune. Um, let that new growth come out. Uh, and it does bloom on older wood. So we're not going to like hard, prune it hard, hard back. We'll okay. Let some of that new growth kind of come out and then give okay. it a little shear and then let okay. it go. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that is very nice. So thank you. And easy to find? Easy to find. You know what? They are in garden centers. They are out now. Um, and I was actually just reading, um, there's a new one, uh, Low Scape Snow Fire. Uh, so it has a little bit of a different flower on it, almost like a, a little bit of a double on it. It's three to four feet tall. So it's, it's still a medium sized shrub, not like mm -hmm. the mound, but it's also coming out uh, as well. So good flower power on it as well. That is very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you. What about your favorite shrub? What's one of I your know. hidden gems? <laughs> um, well, it's this is one that I just started using uh, a few years ago. And um, it's a low evergreen. And it's a Russian cypress. But it's called microbiota. Right? So... <gasps> Yeah. Yes. Although when I'm Googling microbiota, I'm getting something else <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> but um, it is very soft. So you kind of at a quick glance, you might think it's like a low um, a spreading juniper, but it's not. It has um, definitely kind of has like that softness like cypresses have, mm. but it is very low. So it's almost like a ground cover. It's very low. And it spreads very, uh, I think, very nicely and, and, and actually pretty well, too. Like, pretty, like I'm not going to say fast, but I would say mid, how, how, how much it starts to cover, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it has fall color. So, again, even though it's an evergreen, it's perfect for me because I think it is a great, you know, for under, like, even under a Japanese maple or something like that, it, it doesn't need full, full sun. I have it growing in full sun to part sun, and it's doing fine. Um, it is tolerating the salt uh, on my, uh, in my garden from the road. Oh, nice. yeah. So it's uh, tolerating the sun. 
uh, salt, sorry. And I just, I just love the texture of it. And I love that it changes color and I love that it stays so low. So it doesn't, you know, when we know everybody pictures those junipers that are spreading, when you see say is spreading evergreen, right? Everybody oh. thinks like, oh my God, it's going to take over and it's going to block things. And, and this really doesn't because it is so low and it is so soft um, that I, I feel like there's always a spot in the garden where you're just not sure what to put there. You want something green, um, you know, and, uh, and that, and, and even underneath something where you, you don't want it to be a focal point, you know, you want something that's just a low, like a ground, you know, like a ground cover really. Right. Yeah. You don't want anything to compete with the ornamental tree or with the group of perennials, but yet you want to still have something there in the winter or, or spring and fall. And uh, I think it is a, a wonderful addition to, to a garden. I really do. Agreed. Yeah, they are. They are so beautiful. I always loved um, petting them or putting them out at the garden center. Oh um, yes. Cause then foliage is just so neat and layered. Um, and it's so pretty. Well, you mentioned that it had some fall color as well. Yes, um, I'm just looking for that. So it's kind of like a burgundy fall color. Okay, I thought neat? I was trying to remember. Yeah, I was thinking like uh, bronzy burgundy. Yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I'm just looking for the zone because I couldn't find the page. So um, do you have that handy? I think there's zone three to seven. Okay, perfect. With a, maybe a few two B's and seven B's or oh, okay or eight okay. A's kind of thing <laughs> yes yeah yeah so yeah so definitely uh Russian cypress or uh, microbiota is um yes and I think the lat the latin name is descusata d-e-c-u-s-s-a-t-a okay because I think the I think it's one of it is one of those ones where microbiota is the the genus name but also the the um common name as well kind of like potentilla used to be um oh yes microbiota desiccata yes i see it there yes and now hydrangea hydrangea yeah so you can see it's very feather you know i just i don't know i really like it and um yeah so yeah and um, did you say how tall and wide it gets uh yeah I, Right now for me, for the last, I think it's third year in my garden. So it's it, the, the website says 12 to 36 inches, but for mm -hmm. me, it, it's still not 12 inches. So I think that really must take a, a long time to get that height because I think then it starts to layer. So right now I still have it just kind of like its first layer on the ground. So it would say six inches. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think, and I think then you could easily kind of control how high it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I can't imagine it getting to be, uh, 36 inches high <laughs> um, no. be a long time. Uh, so yeah, so it's a very nice, um, Celtic pride is one variety here that they mentioned. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've also seen that one as a standard, an evergreen standard. Really? Yes. Okay. And I, it was an older, so it was bigger than the one you're in your garden. Yeah. Um, but it did get that just beautiful feathery texture yeah. that just kind of slightly turned as it fell um, and spread out and kind of fell oh, down and yeah, made that, that little that umbrella. Nice. Yeah. That was really pretty. Yeah, because I think when you say, like, again, when you think of a spreading juniper or a spreading evergreen, you think of junipers, you think of some that just get big and prickly and big and blobby and, and kind of lose their shape. Yeah. Um, and this one really doesn't. It's got a really nice texture. And uh, like I've spoken before, how much I like the uh, mops, right, with that thread leaf and the yellow foliage. And this is just kind of a complementing of that where it's soft and, and a nice spreader. 
And, um, and sometimes, you know, having an evergreen ground cover really works. Yeah. Oh, totally. Definitely. Especially those that add that nice, like fall color. Again, that's another layer of interest Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. As we move to our second choices, we do have a few questions that have have popped in. Um, Rhonda has written in and asked, Ha, Matt, so funny, your explanation. Thank you, Rhonda. (laughs) Um, Do all of the containers that shrubs come in when you buy them have to be removed? My neighbor told me no, but mine is plastic. He told me just to slit it. Thanks. So, yes, uh, yes and no. Depends on the container. In your case, your neighbor, you had a plastic container and your neighbor told you to slit it. Definitely. Anything plastic you should remove. Tease some of those roots, um, depending on how root bound they are. You don't have to like break them and stab them and cut them with knives. But you do want to tease them away. Um, you might have to pull some pretty hard ones here, a few snaps to get them a go. Because roots like above the shrub, when you prune them, they have break points. They'll create new roots and start to spread out. But roots are smart and can detect gravity, so they tend to spiral if you just leave them or girdle themselves. But Uh, Your neighbor is right in the way that not all containers do need to be removed because there are some paper fiber containers, there are some coir containers, so there are other biodegradable uh, or compostable containers that some nurseries will grow plants in. Uh, But make sure that if it is plastic, you are removing it and taking it to a, uh, usually the independent garden centers, taking it to their recycling because the normal recycle facilities won't take the soft black plastics that a lot of the pots for annuals, perennials, trees, or shrubs are made in uh, or made of uh, as well. So yeah, just definitely remove them. Give those roots their best start. Um, dig it just as deep as the pot is. Make sure that that crown is always in the level of the pot is the level in the ground new in the garden. If you have mulch in your garden, uh, you're going to dig it twice as wide, but just as deep and make sure that mulch doesn't pile around um, the crown of that plant. We don't want it sweating. We don't want bugs or moisture to be trapped against uh, the stem or the trunk of the tree and or shrub. So always give it four to six inches and let it breathe. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question, Rhonda. Yeah, that's great. And James has one as well. He's saying, I'm sorry. And you don't need to apologize, James. Um, so he says, sorry, but a lawn question for us tonight. What, if anything, should we be applying to our lawns right now besides a lot of water? Thank you from a GTA listener. Well, thanks for telling us where you are, James. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, driving around this last weekend and whew, we haven't had a good solid few rains for a number of weeks now. Uh, and they're looking parched. Yeah, mainly, uh, that's it, James, is is water. If you've gotten yellow and burnt and it's short for a number of weeks now, a lot of them have gone dormant. So you'll have to be soaking every single day, uh, which might hike your water bill. Uh, but if it is still green, um, again, water once a week uh, in the morning so that you don't lose a bunch to evaporation. It's going to get it just as it wants to photosynthesize uh, to about an inch deep once a week and cut that lawn nice and high. So three to four inches, might be a little longer, but that shade is going going to keep those uh, growing points nice and cool on the soil surface and actively growing through all this crazy, crazy heat. Outside of that, uh, the only other thing I would recommend too is if you are somewhere like us with the GTA where we've had lots of heat, uh, it is pretty much time to hit that uh, summer fertilizer. We're in 
uh, almost in the end of July. So that's our next thing uh, kind of coming up. End of July, if you do find that you're in a drought stress area, think about going organic because it does need to be broken down by the soil. If your plants are under high or your grass is under high stress and we suddenly hit it with a big dose of synthetic fertilizer, uh, the mineral overload can sometimes stress it out even more and shut it down. So you might be kind of teetering on the edge of dormancy or a brown lawn a big dose of synthetic could knock it all the way into it. Uh, so feed the soil, give it a nice, slow, steady feed, uh, and that'll help her keep green, you know, retain moisture and just reduce some of that stress that they're fighting. But mm -hmm. other than that, yeah, it is July. We might see some Japanese beetles out. Um, remember, they're not in your lawn. You don't need to apply nematodes right now. Uh, we can wait at least, what is it, mid-July? So we, another uh, three to four weeks before we want to start doing that. And that's about our lawn right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in a nutshell. Excellent. Yeah, in a <laughs> nutshell. That's right. Um, and Breda just came in with, um, is there any mulch that is not good for shrubs? And she has Japanese use in brackets. Is there any mulch that is not good for shrubs? You know, the, the main one I think we've talked about before is like the big, chunky, repurposed. Yeah. Dyed and heavily dyed ones. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that they're going to kill or harm your plants necessarily, but they're certainly not going to add the value and any, yeah. anything, you know, beneficial to, to your plants. So, um, so yeah. So yeah. I would say that, although we could say also the rubber is definitely a no go. So we won't even go there, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially the rubber ones or like the darker mulches that just absorb the heat that gets transferred into the soil which stresses roots. And then the only other thing is to say about the big chunky woody ones is that as the microorganisms start to break things down, they steal the nitrogen from the soil to replicate and do their enzyme things. Uh, and until they die off, they will hold the nitrogen in the soil while they try to eat that mulch. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you see any discoloring or nitrogen deficiencies, it could be some heavy, if you've recently, you know, in the last month or two, put down some heavily chunky mulch, might be stealing some food. Or slowing some growth. There you go. So can we get one more of your favorites in before halftime? <laughs> <laughs> one more the way I talk? All right. Uh. <laughs> All right. Um, you know what? I think that one of my new, well, maybe not newer or newer, but maybe some of the newer varieties that we're seeing is um, everybody loves hydrangeas. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that one of my favorite hydrangeas are the mountain hydrangeas. Uh, so these are hydrangea serratas. They have that lace cap. And more specifically, uh, new from Proven Winners, the Tough Stuff, aha, reblooming ah, mountain okay. hydrangea. So these guys are sun to partial sun. So they look like they're a mop head, like a macrophylla. They've got that nice dark green uh, serrated toothed leaf. These guys are a nice dwarf size. So they're going to grow three feet tall uh, to two to three feet tall and two to three feet wide. Hardy through zone five to nine. They're going to start blooming on old and new wood. And they're going to start like other hydrangeas anywhere from summer through fall. And they just literally just pump out all of these big lace cap blooms. So the lace caps, we have the little true flowers in the middle and then orbit, orbiting that um, 
flower structure, we get those little petal rounds that surround it. And they get quite big. They get bigger than quarters. Um, or even Ooh. if you're a Canadian, bigger than toonies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're quite big. And like the macrophyllas, um, the big classic mop head, like in the summer, they will go blue or pink depending on the soil uh, as well. So you can make them blue and if you have an acid soil or you're really committed to keeping the soil acidic, it is a little bit of a maintenance thing for, for you there. Or naturally, if it's more of a neutral uh, pH, you'll see it just being nice and pink. Uh, so yeah, so hardy zone five through nine, but great as a cut flower. I've seen them in larger containers, uh, but they're just a nice, tough, reblooming, fun little hydrangea that go back and forth that are more consistent with their flowering than things like your endless summer group. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that was right my question. Now. Yeah. They're, they're a little bit more consistent. So yeah. like you said, open, more open and, and lacy versus the big mop head. But I think what you, you gain is that better uh, stability and better um, bloom, you know? Yeah. And as they mature, um, and we see that lace cap, I think everybody loves those big balls um, or those big mop heads or the big panicles on the paniculatas as well. But once we get uh, like a nice mature plant or it gets established, it, it does fill in quite nicely all mm. over the shrub. So it's not going to be a weird lacy sparse looking, looking okay. shrub. It has some nice dense and it literally just until it's fall, um, and get some good cold temperature, just pumps out flowers. Excellent. Uh, now, um, I believe they are, their foliage also has a bit more burgundy to it, like in the, right? And as the fall comes. I didn't even, thank you. That was my welcome. other winning thing. Yes. Yes. The other well, actually, not really even just the fall, because I think I saw them at the growers last week, and I was like, what? And I looked in, and that's what they were, because their leaves had started to already go. Now, they might have been a little stressed because they were still in the pot, but, you know. Yeah. As I say, you, I usually, that's right. I usually see them in the garden center doing that too, right? You get mm -hmm. a little bit of heat stress or inconsistent watering. But yeah, they also tend to have beautiful fall color. That's right. Uh, as they kind of peter out, um, they will start to give you some beautiful, rich burgundies uh, to light reds as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Oh. You're welcome. No, teamwork. Hey. Teamwork. <laughs> I was like, it's almost time to say the thing. <laughs> Yes. yes no. Yeah. So beautiful fall color, nice summer through fall. Yeah. And I think those, the leaves on them are quite, cause I know everybody likes the, the leaves on the macrophylia, except that they wish they had blooms too. So I think this is a nice balance in the sense that they do have gorgeous deep green leaves yeah. um, that go to burgundy and, uh, um, but they also have a, a, a little bit more of consistent flowering. So, um, so that's good. So look for mountain, um, so, Right? Serrata yeah, or so, hydrangea serrata. That's right. Yeah, the mountain hydrangeas. And there are bigger ones and smaller ones in some groups, but uh, tough stuff, aha, uh, is a great reblooming hydrangea. Yeah. 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 And it must be good if they named it tough stuff. It's got to hold up to its name, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple other in those series. So, yeah, they're well deserved. For sure. Yes. 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 I know Nancy, our friend Nancy, has one that she just loves her, her tough stuff. So, does she? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Excellent. She does. And it does look great in her garden. It really does. So, um, so yeah. So that's yeah. good. And I love that where it's not quite blue, but it's not quite pink. And it's kind of got that like movie color to it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely kind of that blurple color blurple oh, i don't know a movie sounds better <laughs> it is more of a mo it is more yeah. of a mo. i need yeah. one but i'm running out of room I, I even took some stuff out and i'm still running out of room so. <laughs>
all right. So we are about halfway through. And we, we thank everybody for listening, right, Matt? That's right. Thank you for joining us here on Down the Garden Path, live on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host, Joanne Shaw. She's also my co-author of our Down the Garden Path podcast book, um, A Step-by-Step Guide to Your Ontario Garden, which is just a step-by-step to anyone's garden, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, But thank you so much for joining us here, whether you're listening live uh, or you're somewhere listening on the podcast. We love that you've tuned in. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path. Each week, we bring you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Down the Garden Path Podcast is our handle there. And don't forget, there's lots of past episodes you can find on your favorite podcast provider. While you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our wonderful listeners. You can always write us here. Gary, our wonderful producer, in studio 101 at gmail.com. But don't forget, you can also reach us directly at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. Don't forget, check out our websites as well. You can find Joanne at www.downthenumbertoearth.ca. And you can find myself at www.naturalaffinity.ca. So I think we're right halfway through the show. I've done two of my three hidden gems. You've done one of yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is your second hidden gem shrub? Um, my second one is Daphne. And I'm not talking about the character from Scooby-Doo. Um, so, uh, I thought I of Frasier. <laughs> I, oh, did you? Oh, that's so funny. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious, right? Um, So I've known about it and working at the garden center, right? Because um, anything that blooms early, you notice, uh, you know, and it's an early bloomer. And when you're working at a garden center and in pots, it blooms even earlier and stuff. So it's always like, wow, this is amazing. And then after it's finished blooming, it then it kind of just goes in the background and people forget about it on the benches, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. So I recently um, took, took out some I lost some of my U hedge and I wanted to put something in that would also have like a really interesting shape and form and texture and variegated foliage and be evergreen so I kind of ended up with Daphne and I kind of thought well let me just give this a try I think um, I think it's it's a really cool shrub and again I think it's almost the fact that it blooms early um which is when it's in your own garden, that's wonderful, right? But I think that's how they get overlooked a little bit in the nursery, um, right? And um, it is fragrant. And I think I would have to say that the flowers are probably the most fragrant flower that we have, right? Even more so than a, than a lilac. Oh, yeah, I would. Yeah, you would agree. Okay, I agree. It, yeah. Yeah, they are so, so fragrant and rich. Yes. Um, so I put in the variegated Carol Mackey in my garden. Uh, so it's kind of the little leaves that are variegated green and white. Um, and I just did it this year. So I haven't seen, you know, how does it actually go through the winter? Um, but there is a smaller variety. Do you remember? And I can picture it. I So I know exactly where it is on the nursery, but I'm trying to remember the variety. I want to say Rose Daphne. It is. Thank you. Yes. Is that it? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Rose Daphne. So it's much smaller. Yeah. And, uh, but again, it's just got that. And the Rose Daphne almost reminds me of Heather, you know, um, mm. Scottish. And like we would get those in the garden center too. And they never, even despite what we say, they never really would overwinter for mm, long. No. So it's kind of that low and tight, evergreen foliage, bright green. And the flower is very tight to the, to the shrub. And then my Daphne, mine, uh, Carol Mackey, the blooms will be all along the stems, right? Just under the leaves. And um, it's a little open. So I kind of like that because it adds that different, like it's not just like a white, green and white blob, like a Euonymus or something like that, right? Yeah. The stems are very um, individual in a way and woody. And um, yeah, so I think I think it's a, a really good, like if you don't know what to put something, if you love fragrance, then definitely mm. you should find a spot for it. Because um, I think, and you could really kind of have a succession of, of fragrances, you know, since it blooms before the lilacs and before the, you know, other things that roses and things like that, that are fragrant. Um, so it does want some part shade, like it doesn't want that hot, hot afternoon sun. Um but I think I love the structure of it too. It's, it's, it's a woody, you know, it's a wood. So it looks like a shrub, like a deciduous shrub, but it is evergreen because, but it has that structure, a little bit more structure. It always reminded me of like a firework caught in time because it goes up on like that single trunk and then explodes with all those individual stems yeah. moving straight out. And then it just kind of is like, if you imagine like it's dormant, it's just kind of stuck there. Yes. In the structure when you, when it looks naked. So uh, yeah, it has a super unique structure, which is great for that, that winter interest too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And certainly a great gift if for someone who ha- might have everything mm-hmm. in their garden or, uh, you know, it's a great gift because they probably don't have it. And, yes. um, and the nurseries, again, they will have them. It just, they just kind of fall in the background because they're not really blooming, you know, um, unfortunately they usually are by the like rhododendrons and azaleas because, because they don't, they're not going to be out in the, in the strong sun all all uh, summer right so yeah so so something different something a little bit with a different texture um, but still has a flower and still has some visual interest Um, I think it's a hidden gem that uh, that belongs in the garden I agree and I think it used to be so much more popular than uh, than it is is nowadays and I think it's just overlooked by everybody wanting things like hydrangeas for those super long blooms Mm -hmm. but everyone forgets the gorgeous fragrance that it's evergreen that beautiful structure uh and habit that it has definitely that's that is definitely a garden gem Mm -hmm. for sure for sure yeah and if you have someone you know named rose or someone you know named daphne then you then they're also that's a great uh uh, great i love the name when plants are named the after a person it's always kind of cool do you have any named after you or or that carry the name Joanne? No, I don't believe so. <laughs> no. I, I have two. I yeah. have yeah, I have a um an orange daylily named Matt. So I'm a Rakalis Matt. And then there's actually a Japanese maple named Matthew. Really? Um, yeah. And I be- I believe it is um it comes out with a an yellow leaf in the spring. It goes to green and then has orange fall color. Um, so neat. five B six A, yeah. yeah. Okay, so buy one at bonsai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, very interesting, very interesting. So, what about you? So, um, so yeah. So, I think we're creating a like a really eclectic garden with our uh, yeah. hidden gems. Um, yes. What do you have up next? You know what? Um, my next has always been 
one of my favorites, um, and it's Bluebeard or Caryopteris. And I love it because it's just a very neat, uh, rounded, mounding shrub of small, dark green tooth leaves. Uh, very neat, very compact, uh, especially the, a lot of the newer varieties. So it, it during the spring and the summer, it does not flower. But it's just a neat kind of dark green. Some of them have a minty green. There's things like sh- sunshine blue uh, that have a nice gold green foliage uh, that kind of acts as like a backdrop or a companion to the others while they're doing their thing. But when we get into August through fall, so late summer uh, into fall, they light right up with beautiful true blue flowers uh, that run up the ends of the stems. And those late pollinators absolutely um, love love these guys. Um, You can go into a bench into the garden center in the fall when the caryopteris are in bloom uh, and you will see bees, butterflies, hummingbirds, everybody's uh, got these guys uh, in their sights. So hardy through zone five, through till nine, they're usually about two to three feet uh, tall and wide. Uh, again, that nice rich green foliage blooming. It is a deciduous uh, shrub, so it does lo- lose its leaves from the, the summer. Tends to just kind of go yellow, so no crazy uh, red or anything like my mm-hmm. last two, uh, but just a nice golden yellow drops all over leaves, uh, deciduous shrub. Blooms on new wood. So this is the one I was mentioning in the beginning where um, I think it was Rhonda was asking about pruning where we want to leave it until late winter, early spring. And we're going to just let it show us where there's new growth. And then we're going to cut it back down to some of that new growth uh, and let it come out again. So we're not going to hack it all the way back. We're going to give her a good heading back or a good shearing to some of that new growth and let her fill in nice and dense and and even more mounded than she normally is. And this okay. kind of helps keep it, especially if you've got more of a, a partial shade location. Uh, so full sun for this one as well, but beautiful fall color. Um, and that blue, that's just not often there. Yes. Um, yes. Right? And often it's with the, um, um, oh my gosh, butterfly bushes. Yeah. Yeah. You'll often find it right beside. And I think sometimes, bush. right. Sometimes people confuse the two. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you get that long spike of a seam with all those tubular flowers on the butterfly bush. And then with your uh, caryopteris or false spirea or blue spirea, uh, one of the many names it goes by, uh, you'll get to see a lot more, um, almost like a catmint where you see some leaves and some flowers and then leaves and flowers that taper as they go, the leaves tapering as they go up that spike of flowers. So yeah, there's sapphire surf, which is great, which is only two by three. Uh, beyond midnight which is really really deep dark green foliage again two by two and a half Uh, and then I believe this year uh, maybe in the states you have seen it but new I think coming up to Canada uh, is beyond pinked so pink with an apostrophe d and it's actually a beautiful bubblegum pink uh, flower on on the shrub again um um that nice two and a half by two and a half. So nice and dwarf. Um, but I liked this one just because it's cool to see an unusual color. I liked it a little bit more because it's actually not hardy for you and I. So it is beautiful. But this is one for our friends down farther in the States uh, that 
maybe we don't often talk to talk yes. about them as much. <laughs> so beautiful pink. And again, just drought tolerant, heat tolerant, beautiful fall interest. Um, little bit of rabbit and deer resistance, but um, yeah, nice, dense, beautiful flowers and shrub. So yeah, that was my third choice of um, for my Excellent. Three yes, when we tried to squeeze in uh, five uh, for the for the perennials, we realized that was a lot for an hour, right? So, <laughs> so yes, we, we relaxed a little bit. Um, so yeah, so mine is. Um, it's called it's an elder so it's a big family right and i i think uh, elderberry plants are are native plants and so we see the big you know flowering elderberry plants um black black lace elder black tower elder they've been some right around for the few years where they've got that um almost you know uh, very lacy foliage almost yeah. japanese maple uh ish right yeah um some have white some have pink flowers but those big what do you call them um umbels Mm, yep. Right. Of uh, flowering um, very much like the native fruiting plant with elderberries. Um, so gold leaf cut elder. I love it. And I feel like it's a, again, it's, even though it's yellow and it's my yellow foliage love, um, but certainly looks like once it's established, looks like a Japanese maple. So you're talking yeah. like a $30 shrub in two years will look like a $300 shrub, right? Um, yes. It's got it that nice. Older. Yes, you know, very yellow cut leaf, um, you know, uh, much like a, a dissectum, you know, Japanese maple and um, and also very cascady. So it's soft. And once it starts to grow like you and they're great because you can kind of prune it and shape it much like the black lace one. You can kind of, you know, let it go and crazy and wild and cool and, and funky or you can you can control it and train it to go to grow in a certain way. Um, so it does need some sun, obviously, to keep that yellow foliage. And it does need some water, though, too, because otherwise, um, in my experience, um, based on the fact that I had to take a dead one out this year, <laughs> um, it was not getting enough water, uh, no matter what I did. So I have a new one and I actually planted right near my hose so I can make sure it always will get a bit of water. Um, I wouldn't say it has to be soaking, but it definitely um, can't tolerate like it needs the sun for the foliage. But I feel like it also needs to get uh, watered a little bit more. So um so yeah, so that is one, you know, and it will flower, but I find it's very, I'm not buying it. This one, you're not buying for the flower. Um, you're, you're buying it just for that pop of color. If you've got a lot of mm -hmm. green, uh, green shrubs in your garden that flower at different times, but yet when they're all green, it's a nice thing to add to kind of break up that green um, as well as burgundy. You know, I love my green and burgundy or my yellow and burgundy together as well. So, um, you know, next to um, some burgundy nine barks, uh, you know, I think it would look lovely. And did you have a um, botanical name with it? When, I, I did. Uh, or do when I? it jumps to my mind, I think of the one that I often saw in garden centers was um, like lemony lace. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. the one. That's the one I just put in my garden. Yes. Oh, lemony okay. Yeah. Lace, golden cut leaf elder. There is another golden elder. So you have to really watch for, I'm really talking about the, the cut leaf. Um, not that there's anything wrong with the other one. I mean, it's just, it is definitely a nice, you know, yellow leaf, uh, but typical kind of leaf and, and a bit more 
for lack of a better term, blobby, you know, it's like if you need a yellow shrub that kind of break things up, that's great. But for me, it's that real cut leaf that almost gets like copper. The new growth is kind of copper mm. and then goes yellow. And then again, if it, the areas that might get not as much sun will have like a nice chartreuse green. Um, so it's, it's very lovely. Now I wish we could get them bigger. Like I wish you can get them bigger than a three gallon, two or three gallon, because yes. they're always only about two feet tall, right? Like I would so love to go somewhere and have it be already at five feet. Um, because then I think it could really make a, a great feature. Oh but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And just be instant in the garden. So even for me that where I put it, I need it to kind of grow up to hide that said hose. And, um, so I'm just going to have to wait a couple of years for it to get there. But it was much cheaper than putting a Japanese maple there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're very right. If you, a beautiful Japanese maple um, substitute, if you, or if you just absolutely. really love that, that foliage on it. Yeah. Um, absolutely stunning. Yeah. 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 If you have a limited space and limited mm. budget, it's a really a great one. Like it really is. I mean, I think all the things we could put all the things that we've mentioned today, uh, right in, in one garden yeah. and they would all look fabulous because you've got some evergreen, you've got some seasonal interest with your choke cherry, choke berry. And uh, yeah, the I mean, hydrangea. I think the ground, yeah, the hydrangea and the ground cover microbiota. Um, I think we could make a lovely garden, right? With all, with those six plants. I think so. I think so indeed. I was just quickly looking up. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the lemony lace is Sambucus rasmosa. And then the, the American elder, uh, Sambucus canadensis, has the variety Oriola, uh, or sorry, Aurea, which is the golden American um, elderberry. Yeah, and it has that typical leaf. Yeah, so there okay. are the two of them out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. So that I think wraps up our our shrubs, uh, our hidden gems. Did you have any outside? Um, um, what did I call them the other time? Perennials, honorable mentions. Oh, honorable mentions and stuff. <laughs> um, no, I couldn't. I can't think of any honorable mentions. Um, you know, well, I think well, tying with the gold one is, is the, is the black lace elder. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're to develop some other, like the tower one. So they're going to be more of a pillar. I did, cause there is a golden pillar as well, um, that I was kind of toying with. And, uh, so that's coming on online. I, uh, I'm not sure of the botanical name cause I just saw that at the growers. Um, oh. but I did decide to stay with the lemony lace. Uh, cut leaf elder and um, yeah that next to a smoke bush or that next to a nine bark like I just think it I feel like it's like such a great combination um, but the black lace elder is also cool you know for someone who because there's some people that have struggled with their Japanese maple growing or again budget you know which is completely understandable so oh, yeah. it's a great way to have something that's um, very interesting and I have one in my neighborhood that's very mature. Like they must have, I'm going to have to take a picture because they must have let it grow into a tree. And so it, it just looks incredible. Um, this black lace elder. So, uh, so yeah. So I think um, that'd be my little uh, honor, honorable mention. How about you? <laughs> you know, what? one of the ones that I jumped to mind are um, the new mock oranges, mm. the Illuminati tower and Illuminati arch. Uh, so you get that nice arching, uh, those double white, very fragrant flowers. 
uh, in early to midsummer, and then the uh, or the tower is a little bit more narrow. Um, I think it's four by two, uh, and again, you can make a little hedge or you know just have a little bit of interest in its shape and those flowers again. Uh, so yeah, so mock orange is another one of those nice yeah. bigger ones that nobody often uses anymore. Excellent, excellent. As um, we, mm-hmm. There's oh, some. Co- oh, we've got a couple of well listeners. Yeah, so okay. Justin, but sorry, both Justin and Dan have said have said they've enjoyed the topic tonight, and uh, and then we have another listener, uh, Linda, has a bit of a dilemma, Matt, for you, um, for you. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of my shrubs and trees are infected with the gray fungus, which I have used umpteen things to try and remove without success. The branches of the affected tree shrub eventually go very brittle and can easily be broken off. Some of the shrubs have died. Any ideas what this fungus is and how I can treat it? My garden, despite efforts to fix, um, including drainage pipes, gets easily waterlogged. I'm writing from a friend's house, so I'm not able to send you a photo. Ha, I think we do. I think a photo would help, though. I think a photo photo would help. When you get Um, back home, Linda. Um, and this direction of the sun too, right? Like, is this north mm. side of the house? Is it the south side? Agreed. Mm-hmm. Right off the top, um, my first thought is um, with the extra moisture that's in the ground, that might be just rot- root rotting the plants and dying. And they're literally just suffocating because yeah. there's no air and the stems are becoming brittle and they're just dying away. Mm-hmm. Um, the gray fungus with all that moisture nearby, um, and depending on where you are, some of that really good humidity we've had in bursts this year could be um, powdery mildew just moving unchecked, but which would also play into, Linda, your thing about which you've used everything but to run without remove. So when you have your powdery mildew, you can kill it and make it inactive, but it doesn't come off the leaf. It's stuck on the leaf. Mm. Um, so it dies in place. It, it doesn't spread anymore, uh, but it is gray on the foliage still. You can like push your thumb on it or wipe it off really hard. You might damage or mm-hmm. take off foliage, but it does become inactive, but it stays there so visually. So you might with the moisture have uh, just off the top of my head going with what you got, gave me might have powdery mildew rampant in your area with all the extra moisture. You have killed it, but it doesn't remove. So it looks like it's still there for yeah. you. And again, because your soil, including drainage pipes, still just isn't draining well, it's still there, but your plants are uh, right plant, wrong place, and they're just not enjoying their feet and in the moisture, and they're just slowly suffocating and drying out and dying. Yeah. And often there's a smell, right? Like often, you know, if if the roots are rotting, you Mm. often can, you know, if you were to stick a shovel and and a hole and in a few places and, and literally, it's not like you have to really stick your nose in the soil or anything but you will you will start to smell that sweet you know kind of a a sweet wet rotting smell (laughs) I don't know how else to describe it um you know so maybe there's something more maybe you need something more of a rain garden that type of area right where you're kind of getting the shrubs um you know maybe out of that soil and onto an area where the you know the water would run through it um better so that's a whole other show right yes (laughs) But uh, um, but you could definitely look for more uh, moisture loving plants because they are out there. There's oh, yeah. lots of shrubs um, that really do like that moisture. Um, and uh, and that could be an answer or um, Google um, rain gardens. 
Um, I'm trying to think. We have done we've done a show. Which maybe we'll put in the show notes. Yeah. We <laughs> about remember. moisture loving plants. But moisture loving plants. Um, so, yeah. So, thank you. And, Linda, even if it's after the show, I mean, yes. you can, when you get back home, please feel free to send us some pictures um, here at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com. And we will uh, we'll write you back and, uh, and we can be more specific if possible. Sure. So. Yeah. So great show. I'm glad the guys liked the topic. And, uh, you know, it's nice to talk about shrubs that are a little bit less common, right? Yeah, exactly. There's so many things. Don't hesitate to get in there and, and look around all those little shrubs. You never know who's hiding in and amongst them. That's uh, right. Just like the Daphne, for example. Yes, yes. <laughs> and even hidden. go to the garden center and ask about, you know, some shrubs that are lesser known or um, you know, that might be hiding in plain sight, you know, so uh, um, the garden set, they have to water them all, whether they're oh, selling yeah. or not. So they will know what, what, what's good. Um, and, and think about those fringe seasons, right? So what blooms early or what blooms later? Those are some things too, to look for as far as hidden gems go. That's um, right. And next week, are we doing a Q&A? Yeah, I think we're, we're doing our shrub Q&A. Um, that we have and uh, we just our gardening Q&A we like to do every few months so gather your garden questions whether they're lawns shrubs perennials cut flowers whatever you've got on mind we're going to answer all your gardening questions uh, and that brings us to the end of the show it can't believe it again I know thank you everybody who's joining us here live on reality radio 101 and thank you for all of our wonderful listeners who are downloading the podcasts listening maybe not right now monday night uh we appreciate all of you don't forget to check out our new book down the garden path your step-by-step guide to your ontario garden available now on amazon and uh thanks for all your questions we'd love to hear from you uh we'll see you next week bye, bye. We, actually, we actually have somebody else a guest on uh, next week so yeah oh there you go <laughs> stay tuned bye see you Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.